and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life, and I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. Thrilled about tonight's episode. I've got a dear friend of mine I've known since I was a, a wee little tyke. Um, Rob Searstons is with me tonight, and I look up to Rob a ton. And Rob has a story that I'll tell you what, um, challenges and trials and and things that stretch any person to the point of breaking and and rob was there and uh what a great man you are robin and 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 you're going to take us on the story of what you've experienced and what you've been through and and i'll tell you what folks stay with us on this episode because this is one you're not going to want to miss and and it's fun to hear on the back end what rob is doing to give back and lift other people as well um but but I just a little background on how I know Rob. So Rob and I went to junior high is, is where we first connected on the football field. Um, and, you know, I, I was just a wannabe trying to play a big man's game. And, and uh, Rob, Rob is a year younger than me. We didn't, we didn't really play against each other a whole lot, but every once in a while at practice, we'd, we'd kind of scrimmage together and, right. and, and this, this and that, but uh you came from a team that was phenomenal and, and you were one, always one of the better players on the team. But I, I remember as a kid, I remember going, God, you know, Rob, you were, you were talented. You had, you had some abilities and you're just a good guy though. You know, and as we got into junior high and as we got into high school, I look, I look up to you and I've always thought the world of you and you, you're, you're a good dude. You know, you've, you've had a lot of successes. You played for a Skyline team that was like incredibly dominant for like the fifth championship in a row or something like that and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, the crazy thing is, Rob, is from an outsider looking in, you were, you were one of the kids that I would look at and say, oh, you know, he's got all the talent. He's got the ability. He's got the gifts, right? Like, like he kind of be envious of the kid with the gifts, right? Sure. But it's amazing what you were going through at some of the moments I saw you as we've grown up. And I had no idea that life was so dark at certain points for you. So anyway, we get there, but dude, I just, I got to say, you're always somebody I've looked up to and I just respect the heck out of you for who you are and what you do. So thank you so much. You as well. Rob Searston, take it away, Rob. Where are we starting? Sure. I mean, I I can just give a little background of my story. Um, You know, I, I had a different, different childhood than most kids. Um, I was an abandoned baby and, you know, I got adopted at a very, very young age, luckily with my biological sister, who was just a few years older than me. 
And the first couple of years were, I mean, the first couple of months of my life, I was actually born into chaos. Um, I had a bi- my biological mother would leave us for days at a time and with no food or anything. And here I was an infant baby with only my sister to take care of me. And she would actually have to go steal food because there was no food or clothing in the house, no, no new diapers. And so she grew up 10 times faster than she should have at such a young age. And then luckily we got adopted by a beautiful family in Salt Lake City, Utah. And, you know, it, they were always safe for me. They're always my comfort. They're, they're truly my family to this day. They are my family, right? There's no distinction other than maybe a color of skin, right? But they, they always saw me and I saw them. I see them. But um, unfortunately, you know, in the society I grew up in, in East Salt Lake City, I uh, dealt with a lot of racism and a lot of bullying. And, you know, I would, I would get beat up by high school kids and junior kids, junior high kids. I would get called nigger regularly. And it actually became very, very normal for me where I had to, I just learned to run and run away. Um, because when I got beat, I got beat, kicked in the face, punched, all that spit on me. And I was even afraid at times to to tell my parents because I, I didn't understand what the word nigger meant. I didn't understand why I was being beat up, beat up or being made bad and wrong. And that happened for a while, you know, all the way to about third or fourth grade until my sister started seeing what, what was happening. And then uh, luckily my dad, who's a, who's a major protector during my whole life, like came to my rescue all the time, talked to the parents, take care of it. But, you know, it's funny how psychologically that damages a child. Um, at first, the confusion of where's my real mom? Why does no one look like me? And the next is why am I not accepted? Why does no one, no, why does no one like me? Right? Why am I different from everyone else? And then those stories came like I came very quickly at such a young age that like I don't understand why I'm why I'm black. Why am I white? Why why aren't I white? And those are the things that I hoped and prayed for, but you know, obviously those things never changed. And where I found you know, peace and belonging during my childhood and even through junior high was sports. Um, I excelled in sports at a very young age and I love them, especially the game of football. I was blessed with a pair of wings that allowed me to fly. And I got very, very good at high, in high school and junior high. It's something that I love and it's something where I stepped on the field and I actually knew, I knew that I belonged. And I love running the ball. And then luckily enough, I got to, you know, be part of a very great high school team where we were the first nationally ranked team out of Utah, you know, so it was a lot of fun. We brought a lot of prestige to the, to the school and to the state of Utah. And, you know, but during that time I was struggling, I had a very, very hard, hard time. My, I had great parents, but we struggled financially when I was in sophomore year of high school, I got a terrible call that we had just been evicted from our house and that we had 24 hours to get out of the house. And it was two weeks before uh, Christmas. And, you know, it, it traumatized me, like seeing my mom screaming, calling up my high school friends, telling everyone to bring their trucks and everything out. And we didn't, we actually had to leave a lot of things. Right. And I had to move with one sister and uh, one side of the valley and my parents had to live with my other side sister on the other side of the valley and that was all through you know for a good year luckily enough i had family to lean on and support us but what was interesting is christmas went from my favorite holiday holiday to actually a holiday i hated i despised and everyone called me the grinch because every year like it was time to you know set up the christmas decorations and you see christmas lights and christmas music i would actually get sick to my stomach 
you know, I'd actually go into trauma response of everything I experienced the year before and the years before. And that actually stayed with me all the way through my adult life till just a few years ago, I'd say three or four years ago. And so luckily we rebounded from that. I, I got accepted at, you know, to play football at the University of Utah. And, you know, I, I'm like, okay, like as long as I make it in football, my life will make sense and everything will be great. And unfortunately, before I um, started at the U, I got in a terrible car accident where I got T-boned by a police officer going to assist another police officer. Oh. And he T-boned me at uh, 80, miles, 80 miles an hour and completely messed up my back throughout my hips. Mm. So I became that player that was always hurt. Like I would play a few games and I'd be hurt. I would play a few games and I'd be hurt. And, you know, it, it was frustrating because I worked so hard to stay healthy and to compete. But it never happened until I finally had to walk away. Um, and so that put me in a very downward spiral because the only place where I actually found belonging and I felt like something I loved and that I would be great at was no more. And so I had to leave my scholarship behind after my sophomore year. And, you know, it, it was tough. I, I never was one to fall into drinking or drugs. That were never my thing. Um, I love the concept of honoring my body and, and taking care of it. And, you know, so instead of stepping into my dream on Sundays, I was all of a sudden in search for corporate America and, you know, had different jobs here and there, but I never did very well as an employee. Um, I hated being told what to do. I hated to be dictated, you know, Corporate America works for some, some people. It was something I despised and hated. I felt like my wings had literally been clipped. And, you know, just, you know, around 2013, um, I found a, a corporate job, didn't love it, paid very well, commission sales. And, you know, I got my first commission check and I'm like, wow, I'm going to be able to buy a house. And I paid off all my debt, all my things. And, you know, that year in July, um, in a three week period was probably the three week period of my time. I had just been divorced. Uh, I got divorced in 2012 and, you know, had a, had a young daughter that was, you know, not even a year old by the time we got divorced. And, you know, I thought things were going to take off and, uh, you know, the relationship wasn't healthy. We are, we weren't met for each other. You know, we co-parent great now and, you know, very involved in, in with my daughter. But at that time, I was struggling to find my identity. And all of a sudden, I was, again, looking to find belonging and what I needed to do. And unfortunately, I got a call one day saying my boss needed to meet me. And he was there to lay me off. And I lost my job on the same week I was to close on my house. Mm. And, you know, and so I had to let that go. So I'm like, okay, what is going on? And just a few days later, I got a call from my very best friend that saying our very best friend had just taken his own life and it was super traumatic and hard for me to even conceptualize what was going on. He was a friend that always reached out to me when he was in his darkness, when he was spiraling and I felt hundred percent responsible. He had just gotten married. He had a young baby. Everything was going great. And I'm like, okay, like we're good. Like I don't have to worry about that. And all of a sudden out of the blue, he was gone. And that, devastated me and it's something that I still had to heal through to this day right and you know on top of that I found out the first girl I had like literally started dating and given my heart to or as much as I could 
she was cheating on me, right? So it's just like all these different things were happening in such a short amount of time that I didn't even know which way was up or down, right? So it was really hard. And then not to mention my 13-year-old dog that was had always been by my side we had to put down because he was super sick. And mm-hmm. in a three-week period, you know, it sounds like a sad old country song, what happened? And I remember when I thought, like when finally all this had, had came to pass, I went to my house that I was renting and there was like a huge storm that came and I was just sitting on the porch. And even though it was summer, it, it, it almost turned, turned into like a monsoon, like places like Arizona experience where it got dropped in the forties and just rained so hard. And I just remember sitting on the porch for hours on end in the rain, not like being frozen, not, not being able to move forward for everything that I just came to pass in my life. Right. Football was gone. Marriage was gone. Opportunity to like really step up in my life and be a homeowner. A girl I, I thought I loved was gone. My dog, my best friend was gone. And it was just like, I could, I remember not even being able to breathe. And I sat there through that whole storm and felt past, you know, and from that time on, from 2013 to about 2017, 18, I was just spinning back and forth with jobs here, jobs here, you know, corporate America jobs, you know, sales. And it's just, I never excelled. I never bought into it. Right. And I'm just like, I don't belong this. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not making any money. And then I had the great idea. I'm like, I'm going to start a startup. And I had this perfect idea that, you know, I created this handheld vibrating muscle roller to, you know, work with the smaller parts of your body, right. That larger rollers can't get to and I was finally left corporate America and I was a personal trainer, not by choice, but just to like something I felt that I was good at. But, you know, and that's where I created this idea because it's actually me. And we raised $55,000 on Kickstarter. And as soon as we raised and the, and the funding was over, my business partner emptied the account and said, peace out. He Aww. paid himself back, left all the money and left me with a $55,000 debt that I'm still paying people back to this day. That was my rock bottom under rock bottom. And so that that same year I was doing humanitarian work, it, it was something that I was using to kind of like forget about myself. And we I'll go to Africa and it's the third time I went to Africa in a row. I just, I don't know if it was the environment what shut me down, but I was done. I, I had the idea, I'm like, I'm done, I'm leaving. This earth I'm no longer gonna live. I don't belong. I cannot find success. I cannot find belonging. And I literally, I left Africa early, came home. On the plane ride home, I wrote my suicide note. And I got home, took a long nap, I think a day or two just to catch up with the, with the time zone. And I got my gun and got my truck and pulled into a business lot that looks over, you know, the Salt Lake Valley. And I was so sure and I felt so calm about what I was doing. When you're about to attempt suicide, you feel you create this story inside you that no one will miss you and you're actually doing the world a favor. I had the idea that I was doing my daughter a favor and she was only four years old at the time. And, you know, so it was super, super hard because with the fail failure of my startup, you know, I had no money and I put everything I had just on credit cards because I just shot for the moon. And unfortunately, because of that, it forced me to move back into my parents' basement apartment. 
So here I was, a 35-year-old grown man with a college degree living in his parents' basement. As, as I wore so much shame and embarrassment that, you know, when I was home, I would just shut the blinds and sit in the dark, right? Like super not serving or healthy, but that's what I felt I needed. So I was sitting in the truck and I, I, I put the gun in my temple to my right temple. And right before I pulled the trigger, my ego showed up in a way that it never has before. And I said to myself, you know, I'm not going to lose to myself today. I don't know where that came from, if it was divine, divine intervention, whether it was an angel, was it an ancestor, any of that, but that's what I heard. So I sat, I put the gun back on my lap and I sat there for another 20 minutes, half an hour. And I'm like, do I really want to do this? And then finally I felt into it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I put the gun back in my middle console compartment. I text my best friend and I'm like, dude, can you meet me for lunch tomorrow? And he's like, I have meetings. I'm like, I actually need you to meet me tomorrow. And he's known the whole time I've been struggling. He just didn't know how bad. And I pulled up to lunch and I'm like, this is what happened. I told him exactly what happened. He just starts crying in shock. And I'm like, I brought my gun. I actually need you to take it. And so after lunch, he pulled up his car next to mine. I gave him my gun. I have not seen it since to this day. But the feeling I got when I was driving away from that parking lot is in order for me to make this work, this thing called life, I have to live with intention and purpose, right? And I have to let go of the ego piece. I have to let go of feeling bad for myself like the world owes me because that was my victim mentality my entire life. The world owes me. I have been through hell. The world owes me. I was so mad at God. I was so mad at everything. You know, it's just like, I felt like I was a mistake. That, that's the story I created in my, in my head, in my life. I was a mistake. That's why, you know, I eventually had a gun in my head. And so it's funny, just the change of mindset right there of living with purpose in my, and, and with intention, how just a few years later, we're in 2021 and in the year 2019, I'm just like, I need to share my story with other people because I've always been very, very good at speaking with people. I found myself running my corporate bosses through processes and helping them with their marriage and situations like that. You know, I got to a place where I was listening to a lot of motivational speeches and talks and I share this story all the time, but there, there was a talk where Oprah was speaking at a college graduation and she was all like, people always ask me what I want to do. Like, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my way? And one of the things she says that sticks with me strongly to this day is pay attention to the life you're living right now. And that never made sense because for me, it was always football or it was rugby. That was my life, right? And I would even dream and fantasize at 10, 15 years after I was done playing on the field. Like somehow I'd get, be able to go back. And I never realized like all my family and so many of my friends reached out to me when they needed help. They trusted my guidance. They trusted, you know, my ability to discern situations and certain people. I had fallen in love with this girl. You know, I met her in, you know, 2017 and we're actually broken up when i was almost going to take my own life what, what's interesting about that is the position and the trauma that she had brought into our relationship that we both had brought into you know she had just been through a terrible divorce and everything was super hard but we just knew like i met her on a rugby trip out in denver just out of nowhere so finding her was one of the motivating factors to be like okay and for the first three or four months, I didn't tell her I lived in my parents' basement. Like, that's how ashamed I was. 
I had no money. I wanted these things to work. And so it was all compacted into like the decisions I was making. And I remember filling out in the year of 2016, 2017 online applications. I had filled out over 2000 applications and got one interview, literally one interview. And so I'm just like, my partner and fiance name is Brandy. And I'm like, babe, like, I honestly don't feel like I'm meant for corporate America. She's like, that's great. I cannot, this will not work. We're long distance right now. We have children. Like you have to be able to figure out a way to provide. So of course I'm wearing more shame and guilt. And I'm out in Denver when we're living long distance. And I, I, we go to lunch and I'm like, there's actually something I need to tell you. She's like, okay. With all my heart, I feel like I need to become an empowerment coach and share my story. And you can just see it in her eyes. And usually when we go to someone about our dreams, especially someone that we love most, or we want their validation, like in support, I got none of that. Rightly so, right? Like sometimes like just the situation has been so bad. I've been, we've been together like two years and it's just, she hadn't seen me make any money. And she's like, do what you got to do. And I could just see the doubt and like the, the like lack of support in her eyes. But the funny thing is, I knew that I knew that I knew. And I'm like, trust me, this is something I'm going to go forward with. And here I am, you know, two years later, stepping into full abundance in what I love. And the reason that has happened is because I chose to call in people that support me. I chose to call in mentors to help me truly heal my trauma. And am I fully healed? Absolutely not. But I learned the tools and the necessities to help bring power into myself so I can breathe it into others, right? To, to guide and support them. I feel like I've lived so many facets and different adversities in my life that it has now became my superpower, right? And I love teaching and coaching with what I do. I love motivating people, right? Even when I was a personal trainer, almost every single client was like, you actually should be a coach and not a trainer because <laughs> I've ended up talking more with their mind and their head and their heart than I was about what they were physically doing with their body. I was yeah. not a great personal trainer, right? I trained guys and girls the same way I trained, right? Very high intense, power, explosion. And I'm just like, I, and I hated it the entire time. I love most of my clients, but it's just like, I knew I was made for something more. And to be honest, my, I never thought I was going to be able to find my purpose. I wanted to copy what all my friends were doing, pharmaceutical sales, medical sales, like, cause that's where the money and the freedom was, right? But now that I've created and set the intention of living a life that I absolutely love and pouring my heart and soul into my work and my healing, it's the most authentic thing I've ever done. Do I still miss football and rugby? Absolutely. But that was, that was a specific chapter in my life. This is my chapter now. And I know everything that I've gone through up till now was in purpose, right? And I could play the victim as long as I want. I could say the world owes me or else I could create the life and kingdom that I want. And, you know, I've luckily found a partner in Brandy who I love so much, who we support each other and our businesses are just taking off. And, you know, we have a blended family that is another story on its own that brings its own difficulties and, no. and situations, <laughs> you know, but, you know, to get to where I want, I've, you know, it, it's getting, it's weird for me to wake up every morning. I, my body is still like, acclimating to a life that I actually love and a life that I'm so excited to wake up for rather than not being able to sleep at night for dreading a sleepless night hmm. and waking up 
with the same fear and anxiety of a dark life. So I guess my story is like, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, you can actually choose to step out of it, learning the right tools with intention, with purpose. The last thing I want to say is so much of my life, I focused on everything that I did not want. That was my focus. That's where my energy went. And I continued to manifest the same hell over and over again, right? What shifted is what would it be like if I had the same power to manifest my nightmares? Do I carry that same power to manifest my dreams? And I absolutely do. And I absolutely did. And I'm just getting started. Took me a long time to get here. I'm here and I couldn't be more grateful. You've got, you've got passion. You've, for anybody to want to coach, I, th- I think the thing, Rob, that I've learned for mentors in my life is, I, you, you know, a mentor, anybody can get up and say the right words, right? Right. But when somebody's really been in the trenches, when somebody's really been through the experiences, those words all of a sudden are different. And the feeling right. behind those are different. And the, the belief, the belief and, and, and the knowledge that that belief is a reality if you want it. That's the difference between a coach and someone who just pretends. And that's, that's exactly what you're saying right now. And, and holy cow, man. I mean, we, you, you've got about six novels right here, just in that, just in that short, that short, yeah. Right. That we could, we could write. Um, first, first and foremost, I just want, I just want to tell you how much I love you. And I'm sorry that you, uh, you got to that point in your life and, and uh, more of us, you know, guys that grew up with you didn't show up and didn't recognize where you were. At such a young age, not many of us are aware of what anyone else is going through. We're just trying to survive and be cool and, you know, have fun in high school and junior high. Like, you know, so there's nothing to apologize for. One thing that I wanted to touch on that you said, you know, I wanted help, you know, in high school and college and, you know, in, in my older years. And I spent probably 15 years and thousands and thousands of dollars with different therapists and psychologists. And I'm not saying there's not great therapists and psychologists out there. I, I never found one that could relate to me. I never found one that understood or could empathize with what I was going through. And it made me, even, I would leave sections even more angry, right? Because they're teaching me literally what they read in a book. And I'm just saying specifically the ones I worked with. The difference with working with me and what I do I can empathize. I can put myself in your place. I can feel it, right? And I, I, I understand darkness like I understand the light, right? It, it, it's beautiful contrast. The only difference is I don't wear the darkness any longer. It does not dictate how I, how I choose to live my life. It's a tool. It's there. But I'm also in choice, which is beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So I, I want to... I want to take some time kind of diving into a few of the questions I wrote down as you told your story. And then sure. at, the, at, at the end, let's definitely, I want, I want you to talk about your website, talk about your coaching, how people find you right. and, and right. what you, you know, what you can do. And I actually, there's a really good review. I want to read real, you know, at the, at the end, just to let the listeners know, you know, exactly sure. what you're doing. There's so many things that I, I wrote down here. I, I mean, first and foremost, I think, there's a lot of broken dreams along your road, right? Football sure. and, and kind of the relationship piece and, and just all these dreams and things that you wanted to do. A lot of shame came as those things didn't happen for you. Shame. I've learned it from my own experiences in my own life that shame is more difficult than guilt. Shame is shame is something where if we 
have it, our self-talk becomes so negative and, and it keeps us trapped in this place. Right. So, so, and, and you expressed that there was a lot of shame throughout this process for you throughout your life. Tell me like, what did you learn about shame so that you could start to work yourself out of that? What, and, and when, when it comes these days, if it does still, how do you recognize it and how do you react and respond to that? Right. So shame was very detrimental. I, you know, the environment, which I grew up, the culture that I grew up, you know, the the main religion, there was a lot of teachings and old things where my skin actually didn't belong and and I I didn't feel welcome. Right. On top of the society, how it treated me and being abandoned. And so I just, shame was my foremost like dictator of all things. I don't belong. Like you were unwanted from the get-go. God, Right. Like pre-verbal trauma from the start. And so I wore that all the time. I would, I remember in high in, in elementary, friends would call me over for a sleepover just so they could bully me, right? And then I would call my dad crying and then I would run home, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it happened so often, right? And I know it was, I know it was nothing, nothing personal. Kids are just terrible sometimes, right? And it's, but it's something I wore. I'm like, I don't belong. I don't belong. I'm not loved. I'm not seen, like all the things. And so shame is something that I honestly, I did not start to remove myself from and to even see until just a few years ago. I had to identify, okay, what am I shameful for? That, that, was, the, that was the first piece. Like, what am I actually shameful for? And I had to fill into myself and be like, okay, what is my truth? What is my truth? Do I love myself? The majority of my life, I did not love myself. I had zero self-love. I would beat the crap out of my body, but I worked myself to like actually where it became very unhealthy. And checking in with yourself is something that we don't all do. When you wake up in the morning, how often do we do we be like, okay, Rob, what do you need? What do I need? And actually get out of here and drop into the heart and the body and feel like, okay, what do I need? Right? I need rest. I need meditation. I need, I need prayer. I need sustenance, like whatever that is. When you're feeling sad and you're feeling angry, how often do we check in with yourself? Like, okay, what do I need? There's so many times in those darkest years where I spent so much time alone. I was alone. And, you know, I kind of began to ostracize myself from friends and from family. And and I would go on long hikes all by myself. I got to know myself in such a way I never had before. And knowing myself and knowing my truth helped me rid myself of the shame. I'm not bad because I'm black. I'm not bad because I'm, I was abandoned and I went through a lot of scary things growing up. Not ever feeling like I'm blind. I'm actually not bad. I actually do belong. And my story is special. And once I stepped into the empowerment of my story is when I rid myself of the shame. And it's not to say that I haven't made mistakes and I haven't messed up in my life because I most certainly have. And that sometimes the pedestal people give you, like as a coach and, you know, and when you're trying to influence others, I have been through it all. I have made bad and wrong decisions, right? I have hurt people. I have betrayed people, all the things. I've also chosen to look at where and why I messed up and dissect it and be like, okay, I'm no longer that man. I will no longer step out of it. Integrity. I will no longer, you know, bring hurt to others intentionally, right? So knowing yourself and checking in with yourself is the foremost important thing you can do to rid yourself of shame because when you think about it when you really feel into the shame it does not serve you whatsoever it's an extra weight that you carry on your shoulders it does not make you better it does not motivate you it does not make you operate at a higher level i don't care what people say 
shame is damning to your soul and to your heart. Amen. I, you know, I, I think guilt can be something that we can use to, to, to a certain degree, right? We can use that to motivate us and grow. You're right, though. Shame does not. There's nothing about shame that ever does anything good for anybody, except for right. maybe maybe learning how to overcome that experience because so many people deal with it. Um, sure. Let, let's talk. Let, let's transition to trauma, though. I mean, you, God, Rob, like from the get go in your life, the the cards were stacked against you, if you will. I mean, right. Not knowing your birth mother, mother really, and and coming to this family, and although you felt the love there you you already felt like an outcast the the predominant right. religion in utah you didn't feel accepted by them you were bullied i mean you just didn't yeah so so a lot of trauma starting from a sure. young young age and, and as a kid that doesn't really have i mean let's be honest man in holiday utah when you were growing up there were not very many black people that live in holiday utah. so right. so you didn't have those mentors or those people that you could look up to to go and talk to and say like hey you know this is how i feel what do i do so that's a ton of trauma to carry on your back as a young kid and then as things as you grow and you get older and that football dream uh, gosh to get hit by a, a police office car i mean right. like like that, right. the bitterness that could have been there and that wow i, I can't imagine and that's probably another topic right but let's stick with the trauma so all the things that happened and the trauma that you had, how, how do you begin? I, how do you begin to process that? And how do you begin to work through the trauma? Right. So for me, I mean, there's so many steps that we could go into and, you know, for me, it was first identifying that everybody has a story, right. And there's certain things, there can be small things or huge things that can make someone shift in one direction or, or another and make very bad and poor decisions. And they can end up, you know, where I almost did, or they could end up in jail or broken families and all the things there's, there, there was just, there was always something burning in me that where I knew that I was meant to be something great. My whole life, I thought it was football, right? Like most athletes do, they grow up, they feel like they're pretty good. And then it just doesn't happen, and then the identity has gone. That took me a long time, like I said, to overcome. That's the next piece, which I'm still working through, and I've worked through immensely, is the victim piece, where the world owes me, and I said that many times, and where God owes me, and everything's going to turn in my favor. You know, there, there's certain things that I went through that traumatized me that I know full full-heartedly they were not my from my bad decisions. They were just simply because they happened. And I'm not better or worse for what I went through. Trauma's trauma. So once I identified and really started to process the stories that I've been through, you know, I, I have a couple of coaches and mentors, you know, and, and one of them asked me, okay, well, how did these actually serve you? Right. And we never wow. think about that. Right. We just yeah. think of the, the bad pieces. Right. You know, I, I'm, I think about like everything that I went through of the not belonging. I can share my story now of so many people who don't have, you know, never had issues with race or never had issues with with bullying, but still have major issues feeling like they're not seen or belonging. Yeah. And so I can empathize with that immediately, right? Yeah. Ostracizing myself in my darkest places gave me the opportunity to truly know, know who I was and know what I'm made of, right? Being Having the ability and the courage to set my gun down 
taught me sure-handedly that I can make it through anything and I'm sure as heck not going to lose to myself, right? So processing and really dissecting each story of how did these traumas actually serve you? What did they benefit from you now? Like my, my future wife is, was a single mother and she was a single mother that didn't have much money at all when she started. You know, today's a pretty awesome day because she actually opened her up her own beauty school out here in Colorado. Oh, how and cool, going, huh? Right, like literally going from nothing to everything and stepping into bigger abundance than she ever imagined, right? She created that. Because she hit that rock bottom is simply because she's hitting her abundance. Everything is a choice. When you hit rock bottom, which I feel is beneficial for a lot of people, you have the decision whether to stay there and be a victim and do what I did and just toil there for so many years or actually really see what you're made of. So if you can really check in and be like, what did I learn from this experience? How did it actually make me stronger? Like not negating the pain that you still have, not negating the fear and, you know, the pain that you still carry, but really filling into the power that it gave you. And that's how you truly start to heal from the trauma. I love it. What I'm hearing is such a mind. It's a, it's a choice. It's a mindset. And, and you can choose right. in your mind to look at the most dark and difficult times and say, what did it give me? What did it, how, what did right. it do to serve me, right? I'm thinking about all this shame and I'm thinking about getting yourself to a place where you literally have a gun to your head. There's patterns in your life that you created, right? There's habits that you've created that, that aren't serving you. They're not self-serving. They're actually self-damaging. So right. it comes to this place where you're now healthy and you're now in a place where you are able to give all that stuff that you went through and the, the overcoming, the achievement and the process that you, you went through to overcome and, and to make these things serve you. You're, you're giving those to other people that are going through them and helping them overcome their stuff. There, there had to be some patterns that you formed in your life. Like, did you start with like, Hey, every day I'm going to wake up. I'm going to do A, B, C, D every day just to get those patterns forming. Like how, what, what did you do or what do you do every day to really keep that, keep your mindset strong and, and positive? And what, what do you do? Right. That's a very interesting question because I have, you know, something I tell my clients actually to stay away from is people that are searching for purpose and to step into creation with their life and live in abundance, they fall into a trap of, you know, listening to all these different influencers and listening to all the major billionaires on how they do things. What happens is they'll, they'll start to copycat immediately where Elon Musk does this, so I'm going to do that. Bill Gates does this, so I'm going to do that. What I teach my clients first and foremost, and I, I talked about this a little, are you checking in with what you need? Are you checking in what feels good to you? Well, one of the things that I like to do, I wake up in the morning and I kind of, I've switched the story and the narrative where, you know, I was in darkness where I'd wake up with such fear and anxiety, where I actually go to bed and I, and I do the same thing when I go to bed and I do the same thing when I wake up. I feel into literally the gratitude. And the gratitude is something that I feel all through my body of the people I've brought in my life, of the experience and the love and the opportunities that I have in my life. And after that, I feel into how would I like this day to go? I feel in, I think of all the clients I'm working with. I'm thinking what's going on with my family, you know, any, any fun things we're going to go do. And I literally feel into that on how I'd want that feeling to be. More times than not, that day manifests exactly how I feel into it. And it's such a great practice that I've never done before. I'm not one of those guys that really 
takes the time to sit and meditate. I will every so often. It's, it's great. It's very beneficial. There's people I know that do it religiously, which is great as well. It's not something that I actually feel I'm called to do daily. Six days a week, I'm in the gym. It's actually fun for me. I'm no longer torturing myself and beating myself up. I'm doing it because I love it and I have great downloads and I'm able to think about things and be able to listen to books, whatever I want to do. That is my time, right? When I come back home, it's beautiful chaos. Kids running around screaming, which is great. I love it when I trade it for the world, but that's my, I show up for myself, handle my clients. I fill into what every single one of them, what I feel like we're going to process and work through that day. Right. I feel like so many people wake up with so much fear and anxiety in their heart, you know, of what's going to happen today, or even with like, just not wanting to live that day. Right. And that's super, I get frustrated because I know what that felt like for so many years. Like, okay, why are you actually living a life that you don't want to live? Right. And, and, And so often it's just like, well, that's what I grew up to do. Do the nine to five, do this and that. I'm like, okay, but are you actually in choice? This is actually what your heart desires, right? So one of the things I love, love to work on with my clients is like, okay, let's really fill into if you could, if you, if money wasn't an issue, what would you be doing, right? How would you contribute to yourself, to your family, to the world, right? And so it's just simply taking intentional time for yourself to create the daily habits of the life you want to truly manifest and bring to fruition. I love it. That's good. And you, you mentioned something, a couple of things there. One of the things you mentioned when you were telling your story is you said you literally, you, your body was different. Like when you were in your anxiety, you, you, you know, you, the behavior of your body, your body language, your posture, I'm sure all those things. Um, right. Yeah. Then, and then as you, as you, as you started to find yourself and your authentic self, you said you had to like learn your, your new, the way that your body was now behaving. Can you explain right. that a little bit more? Well, sure. Like when I operated most of my life, when I was the whole belonging and victim and I would walk away, walk around with my head down. I wouldn't yeah. make eye contact with anybody uh, because of the shame, because of the, you know, projection I put on everyone else, like that I literally carried in my adult years. Like, Oh, you, you don't like me. You're not going to receive me. You don't see me. You're different. Like you have all this money, like all the crazy victim stories. And then to a place where I would you know, literally torture my body, right? Where I'd beat the hell out of my body two or three times a day at the gym, seven days a week. Right. And my body. I've, I've watched right. you. That That is absolute truth right there. I've walked into a gym and seen you and gone, oh my gosh, dude. Right. Right. Yeah. And back, back then it was just straight anger. It was just yeah. straight anger and self-punishment. And now, you know, I'd be there two hours a session a couple of times a day. And now I'm there one day for maybe one, one time a day for maybe an hour, 15 minutes. And I'm not forcing myself through any workouts. If I feel tired or a muscle tweaks a little bit, I'm done. Right. And I'm good with that because I'm choosing to honor myself. I've never really put stuff in my body that didn't belong other than some, you know, Twizzlers and some Sour Patch Kids, like some of my favorite candies. What's amazing when it even comes to food. And what's, you know, what we choose to put in your body is checking in with yourself again. Like, does my body truly want this? Is this actually really good for my body? It's just a simple thought like that will help you decide, like, how you decide to honor your body. Right. And so all these things that, you know, I started to embody for myself changed the way I chose to operate. Now, you know, before, like, 
I remember hearing all the time, like when I'd walk into a room and meet people, like, Rob, are you okay? You're so sad. Why are you so angry? Why are you so serious all the time? And it, it triggered me even more, but that's the energy I carried. I was responsible for that energy, right? Now, you know, I walk into a room and people can actually feel me in a beautiful, powerful way, right? People know that I'm there. It's not in an over-dominating or egotistical way. It's just the self-love and work I've done on myself that my presence and my power holds differently. You know, what's interesting about what you just said at the very end there, Rob, is when you walk in, people notice you, they feel your presence. You've always been like that, man. And even when you were in your dark stages in life and you're dealing with trauma and feeling like you were un, you were worthless, your value wasn't there. Like when I knew you, I didn't know that about you, especially as we got into our 20s, whenever, whenever I connected with you and crossed paths with you, I always walked away feeling like, God, Rob's a good guy. Like I feel this warmth from Rob, like a genuine like hug warmth, right? Yeah. And um, as soon as you connected with your authentic self, it's like you discovered that about yourself and that that was one of your abilities. But you always had that. Even when you were in your darkness, you just weren't able to use it to serve other people in a way that really right. made a difference, right? Man, that's it's amazing how we can do that. And And, and on that note, I think surrounding yourself with good people, like people that are uplifting and, 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 you know, our our own self voices are hard enough on ourselves, but when we can surround ourselves with friends that when we cry out, they show up and they can give us the outsider looking in. Sometimes we don't know what we are like on the outside because all we hear is the inner talk and it's negative. But when we have people feeding us full of other stuff, sometimes we need to trust that and believe that because Right. You know, because they see it a little bit differently than we do. And anyway, For sure. um, let, one more question on, on what you were saying. Let's go back to this gratitude idea. You, you've talked a lot about gratitude and how gratitude really helps you to change your mindset. My question for you is how are you able to look at all of the pain and trauma and shame that you went through all these experiences how were you able to find what it was through those experiences that you could be grateful for? And then to change the script on those right in your mind and say, Hey, I can look at those and I'm grateful. I went through them now. I had a lot of therapists and stuff telling me like start a gratitude journal, start a gratitude journal when I was in the middle of it all. And I remember opening my book, you know, for a couple of days in a row and just having nothing to write. Like, even though there's things around me that I was grateful for, I was so angry. I was blinded by feeling sorry for myself and nothing worked out and all the things that I shared. So it's actually not something I tell my clients to do, right? Because it never really related to me, even though it's been helpful for a lot of people. And then to get to a place where, like I said, once you're really identifying and getting to know who you are and the reasons you are the way you are, that's when you start to fill into, oh, this is the power that I carry. This is the effect I have. It really once, and it didn't change overnight and it probably didn't change over a couple of weeks, but over a couple of months, I was able to like really, because again, I live with intention. I want to find the gratitude in my life. Of course, I'm so grateful for my daughter. Of course, I'm so grateful for my partner. Another part that kept me holding back from the gratitude is not being able to truly find value in myself because the world in corporate America was was telling me and rejecting me over and over. I don't belong. Right. Which is obviously the blessing. Right. Because yeah. I never would have found what I did now. I just didn't know it then. And so when I found value in myself and when I found purpose, that's when I actually opened up the doors to really fill into the gratitude. And I'm not saying 
you can't do that. I'm just sharing what my process was. And the more I got excited and things got rolling and business started picking up, it gave me the opportunity built and snowball and snowball into more and more gratitude where gratitude is actually super easy and second nature for me. Because even when I get in a fight with my fiance or things don't go, go well with a client or, you know, where I don't have the ex- expectation that, that I was hoping for, I'm now at a place in a position where I can look into it and, and be like, okay, what can I take away from this experience? What can I learn and actually embody in my life to make me better? And it's so there's gratitude in absolutely all things. There truly is. Sometimes it just takes a longer time for us to see them. And that, my gosh, you, you, you live your life like that and you're surrounded by positive light and energy and that kind of light and energy attracts everything to it. So it's only a matter of time where your failures all of a sudden turn into like open doors and, and there you go. Right? right. Man, Rob, I love it. Um, so a couple more questions just to wrap it up. Can I take this for, for those of us who are still learning? Let's talk about marginalized groups and, and, and race, racial differences, if you don't mind for a second. Right. If I wanted to make you feel very comfortable with who you are, and, and of course, I'm still trying to build, feel comfortable in my own freaking shoes, right? Sure. The, the race thing was never, it, I, didn't, I never have experienced that. I don't know what that's like. And so for you, you're trying to find yourself, but you're also, you know, you're, you're different. What's the best approach for young kids? And, and I think, you know, obviously for us as parents, how to teach our, ch- our kids the best. I mean, obviously, first of all, first and foremost, love, right? There's no differences. Love. For sure. So do, you, do, do, is it best if somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, Rob, I know you're black. And, and we like, we, we acknowledge that. And then we say, mm-hmm. hey, it doesn't matter to me. I just want you to know I love you and whatever. I want to be your buddy. Right. Or is it right. better if we just like, Hey, you know, it's, it, it ain't no thing, but like, I'm going to treat you like I love you and you're my brother because that's the way I see you. It's, I, I feel like if you brought it up, it's actually making me feel different immediately, right? It's, it's making me feel like you see me as different. You know, it's, yeah. it's, cra- it's crazy with these kids nowadays because the younger kids, like my daughter's age, she's nine. And it's I just feel like the, the younger generations are, are growing up so much differently where they're actually yeah. not seeing the difference, right? They're, yeah. they're seeing the person. And I feel like our generation and definitely the baby boomers and stuff like that, they grew up in, in a whole different timeline in a whole different world, right? Where, where skin mattered, where there was people that set them and seen themselves higher than others, obviously. And we see it with you know, political mess and the mess in this nation that it's still very, very vibrant. Right. And it's always funny when people try to pretend like they're racist, that that they're not racist because they'll, they'll say things to like make you feel seen. Right. In a way, like I'm I'm not going to get too deep in it, but, but, but honestly, the, the only thing is, is to treat me like you would treat anyone else. Yeah. Right, we don't need to acknowledge the skin color. Now, if you're talking about politics or you're talking about race issues, obviously, right? Like, how can, how can we hold a gentle conversation, right? And I've heard everything, right? I've heard sure, it all, sure. and I've, you know, I've even friends will make stupid comments, and they're not meaning to, but it just comes off very 
stupid. Like there's no other way to say it. And before I would just take it and just kind of laugh it off. And now I'll actually call people out with love and be like, okay, that's, and it's just acknowledging the truth. Like we're all no different than you. I'm no better than you. Right. And even though I've seen the worst of the worst of racism in my own life, and it's still, you know, I live in Parker, Colorado, where it, where Colorado is actually a blue state, but this town that I'm in is very, is very country and very, very red. And I, I don't care to get into politics. It's nothing. I don't really trust our political system on either side whatsoever. It, it was interesting um, the last four years and not obviously in a bad way, but obviously in a way where it shows where so many people thought when Obama came in that race was over. Racism was over, like I saw it over social media. And it's almost like the infection came up and it showed how racist this country still is. And it scared a lot of people. But for me, it was like a good calibration to see. I'm like, okay, this is where we still are. Like, we think we're here. We're actually down here, right? And I used to hold racist people in such low regard where I would actually fantasize about fighting them. I would fantasize of anything whatsoever. And that was my hate and that was my trauma. I'm not a place where when I see racist people, I have actual sympathy for them. And I made a post, you know, a few months ago where it said, let's be clear, you cannot have self-love in your heart with racism. You can't. Like, there's yeah. no way in hell you can love other people with racism in your heart or sexism or, or anything whatsoever where you esteem yourself greater than others. There's actually something inside there that's missing. Right. And so when I see these people marching with such hate and such disregard for anyone else, I actually feel bad for them. And there's pieces where I actually fantasize where I'm like, I just wish I could have a conversation with you and you could actually get to know me. And you might get to see, like you might, if you chose, if you had the intention to see that I'm actually no different. Right. Now, are there different cultures in, in the United States? Absolutely. I always find it weird that people esteem themselves higher just because someone's different. Anyone's different is bad and wrong. And I've always grown up in a way where I celebrate differences and I love to learn about other yeah. other things, right? It's something yeah. I look forward to. I love world travel, right? And just because, you know, someone doesn't eat the same things I do, dress the same way, speak the same way, and no way does it make anyone bad or wrong. It just makes them different. And it's something yeah. that I love to learn about. Amen, man. Well said. So much wisdom. And, and I'm Rob, I'm with you. I, I'm the kind of guy that like, I just want to connect with everyone because I know there's something sure. to learn from every person you meet. And and even even sometimes when they share their pain, their biggest pains with you, you walk away with so many gifts to say, God, you know, right. I, what a, I, I learned a valuable lesson there. Okay. Uh, last question. Then I want to talk about what sure. we're doing real quick. And I'm going to move quick here. The question I always end all of my podcast episodes with is, what is the gift that your darkest, darkest moment gave to you? Darkest, darkest moment. That's a great question. Even though the gun didn't come to fruition until a few years after that, that three-week span where everything just dominoed was my darkest moment. And it was such a heavy place of sadness and guilt and shame in the pit of my stomach for so long, which was like gave the anxiety and, and gave so much fear. Like I was in survival mode. Like I literally thought like, I, I remember like even having a small mantra, like if my heart breaks one more time, I will just die from a heart attack. Like that, that was the idea and story I had. I'm like, my heart cannot break anymore. And just the fortitude that I was able to show up 
and keep going and keep going. And this is the part I share in my book where I heard a, a kid talking about suicide on, on the radio. It was right in the, in the deepest, darkest time of my life. And the kid was still dealing with very dark depression and, and suicidal tendencies. And his host asked, like, how do you get through it? And he said something so simple that I share with all my clients to this day is I just tell myself one more day, one more day. If I can make it through today, I can make it through one more day. And that actually carried me for a good two, three years. Like I can do one more day, one more day. And there's nothing that just springboards me in to greatness and in a purpose and a value. It was intentional every single day. And that's, you know, the darkest span of that three weeks reached a tipping point with a gun and then a decision. And that decision that night, having no idea where I was going to go or how I was going to do it, that's how I stepped into full intention. And, and like I said, it just snowballed and snowballed. And I called in the right people and I made the right, I started making better decisions and stepping out of victim was key. That actually the world doesn't owe me and that I owe myself. I owe myself first. And then when I can owe, owe myself and heal in a way that I can actually share with other people, that's what made me into the coach that I am today. And I'm forever grateful. I love it, man. One more day. And then just that darkest moment said, like taught you, I've got to have purpose. I've got to find that purpose and, and, and to progress step-by-step step from there and, Man, Rob, you've shared so much wisdom with us. And and I just, I want to talk about what you're doing right now. So Rob, you have a website, uh, robsearston.com and it's just R-O-B and then last name, right? S-I-R-S-T-I-N-S.com. And uh, tell us real briefly just about like what you do working with your clients. Right. I really dine on what what they want to create and what they want to manifest in their life, right? I want to be happy. I want to be... You know, I want to be in a healthy relationship. I want to find self-love. I want to, you know, find a career. I want to make this much money. That's great, right? I want to know the thing under the thing, right? Yeah. What is your why? But we hear what is your why all the time, but let's dive in deeper to actually who you are. Because who you are is going to dictate your why. Once we get that direction, we're going to start to identify all the roadblocks, all the stories, all the traumatic situations you've had in your life that have become major inhibitors of you achieving truly what you want. And it's the process that, that, you know, takes a lot of time and effort and intention and you showing up, right? If I have a client that shows up and does the work and has the ability and the wherewithal to trust me and what I'm saying and me trust them, I will get you to where you need to go without a doubt, without a doubt. And so that's what I do. And I love it more than anything. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So good. I love so more than just your why, who are you? Right. That's awesome. Dude, that's that's brilliant, right. man. So simple, but so brilliant. That's powerful. Right. Because we, we talk about like find your why all the time. Find your why, find your right. why. But for, you gotta first know who you are, right? Okay. Right, awesome. exactly. Um and and I, I would encourage any of my listeners, go on Instagram and follow Rob. I mean, you the posts that you put, they're like they, they're, they, I know you don't love to, med- you said you're not a meditator, but man, I'll tell you with some of the things that you write there, I, that I know are quotes from your own thinking, like, yeah, yeah you're yeah. a deep thinker, buddy. So, um, it's good. Yeah, for I, sure. I always, I always walk away really inspired. 
Um, so I just right. want to read a testimonial real quick. I, I was reading through these earlier and I just love this one from a guy named Jason H. I don't know who it is, but he said, working with Rob has literally been a life-changing experience for me. I hear those words life-changing in almost any kind of advertising I see. I usually see that and it goes in one ear and out the other. I just feel that they are trying to sell me on a product that I don't need. I'm using that example because through the various therapists I have had, which have all been good and have helped me, I have not had an experience as I have had when I sit down with Rob. I feel every time we meet, I am literally making changes in my life that will allow me to be the best version of myself and overcome so many fears that have caused more damage than I have known. Like cancer growing in my body, I not only feel like I have a teacher helping me through my life path, but a friend who isn't afraid to relate his own experiences, good or bad, in order to help me overcome my demons. I am still in a little shock that I feel healing in my life through the sessions I have had with Rob. He is curing the cancer of darkness that I have had lingering and growing inside of me for so long. And saying that I am grateful for this does not do it justice. It is beyond what words I have. I have been working with Rob for a little over two months. And in that time, I've seen immense change myself and so many and, and so have my friends and family. I never thought the path I am walking now is possible. And I'm looking forward to moving forward on many more paths that will lead me to happiness for me. And I am beyond grateful to do this with my coach and my friend, Rob. Um, mm. Beautiful man. And, and to go from a point where you felt valueless, no worth, like, like the world did not accept you, that you were rejected, that they're like, why were you given this holy crap? There, there must not be a God because like he didn't create this for right. me. Right. right. Now you, now you know who you are. You know, your right. strength, you, right. you know, your abilities and, and you're now serving your world. I mean, that is, there's nothing better than that right there, Rob. And I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta say one more thing. I, I gotta circle back because I, I, I had this thought just a minute ago. I've always thought of you as a competitive guy, but I've always yeah. thought of you as like a very good guy. And isn't it interesting that at that moment when you had the gun to your head, you said it was the competition within you kind of like the right. pride thing within you that made you not do it. But, right. but I, Rob, with what I know about you, that, that, that makes sense because you're not a prideful dude, but you're, you're a fighter and, right. and you not, you not only fight for yourself, but you fight for others. And so there's like, like this, you're a champion, man. And this is this, what you're doing fun. now is absolutely beautiful. So real quick, is there any age groups that you won't work with? Like what, how do you get in contact with you? How do you get you as a coach? Right. So, um, I, I reach, I usually work with college to adult. Um, I have worked with a couple high school kids. I, and then, you know, I'm, I don't shy away from them. It's, I just really haven't had the opportunity to work with too many, but, um, if you want to get a, get a hold of me, you can either, um, reach me through my website Instagram or Facebook and those all work here. Just Rob Sersons or robsersons.com. Yeah. Just reach out. I set up a free consultation. We can talk about exactly what I do, my fees, my pricing, what that all looks like. But I, I'm definitely calling in people that really 
are truly ready to invest in themselves, right? Working with me is an investment. It's not something that, you know, it's a little cheap fee. It's a full investment. And I'm looking for people that really want to make, find empowerment and change and, and, you know, self-love in their life. And I have no doubt I can take them there if they're just willing to show up. Awesome, man. I, uh, Keep up the good work. And and Rob, you are a light in this world, man. And there's no doubt about Thanks it. Thanks so much. I, I just, my friend, I just want you to know I love you. And I look up to you a thousand ways, man. Thanks so much, Uziel, my man. And, and the last thing I want to share, I have my book coming out in the next couple of months. It's called Ego of the Warrior. That speaks in depth of everything that I've gone through that, that's, that's made me the man I am today. And the intention behind that book is to just share with anybody that they're not alone no matter what they've been through, that they're not alone and they can get through it if they choose to. And so it's, it's something I've worked on for the last couple of years and I'm really excited to share. Awesome. So, I need a signed copy of that when you get it, man. You'll get it, my man. All right, brother. Thanks so much for being with us, Rob. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.